drink. You know, we've found ourselves sitting on the bathroom floor and I'm going to get upset when I talk about it and it's fine. And we've found ourselves at times like looking at each other going, what happened? Like how you and me don't go wrong. Like you and me are the best. Like we are the strongest couple. Like how how did this happen? But it did. And we are, like I said, we are realists and we are open to whatever life brings at us. And we always said together and we'll say it holding hands that we would never be that couple who just stayed and turned to shit because we won't ever turn to shit. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. Today on the show, we're joined by the force that is Sophie Keisha. Sophie was thrust into the world of Instagram and blogging at a pretty young age, when at the age of 22, she fell pregnant with her first child. At the time, Sophie became well-known and grew a wildly popular following for her blog, The Young Mummy, where she documented her life as a young mum with almost astounding candor. Now, though, at 29, Sophie's life looks a little different to how it once did. For one, she's the director of three companies, has two kids, and very recently announced her split from husband Jared, a man who was very much a central player in the love affair Sophie's followers had for her in her life. So what happens when that relationship breaks down, and what happens when, after that, people start speculating about who you're dating and the state of your own sexuality? Yesterday, Sophie sat down and told us all about it. Here she is. Sophie Keisha, welcome to Shameless In Conversations. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is a long time coming. Yeah. I think we've wanted Look, to get I'm you on for a while. I didn't get invited earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I love you guys and I think you're doing incredible things. So thank you for having me. No, we're so excited to have you. We start every episode in exactly the same way, which is to ask, what are you reading, watching or listening to at the moment? So reading, uh, <laughs> well, I've been trying to read books for five years since I had my first born son <laughs> and I get about like 25 pages in and stop. But I keep rereading that and now I've completely gone blank. Everyone knows that the orange. Oh, the Mark Manson one. Yes, and I just started the second one in Bali and I'm just completely having the biggest break. Everything is fucked. Yeah, and basically my life at the moment. So I'm (laughs) reading. And what was the other one? What am I watching? You're reading, watching. Do you listen to Game Changers on Netflix? Have you heard about that? Okay, all right. So I had not heard about this until the weekend. Obviously, we just had the long weekend in Melbourne and then I've seen it everywhere on Instagram, everywhere on Facebook. Is it about vegan athletes? It's, yeah, but it's highlighting just, I suppose, yeah, this world of athletes, professional sport that has been drilled into them for so long. You've got to eat red meat, you've got to eat this, you've got to do that. And it's just highlighting all these other people and, and different lifestyles they've lived mm. and been so successful as well and their body, what their bodies have been able to do and produce. So it's really interesting. And I, I do think, though, you know, skeptics would say it's very one-sided. So you listen to it and you're like, oh, my God, I have to become a vegan now. So I'm like sitting in no man's land at the moment. But it is very interesting. It's funny that something like that has gone so mainstream and so popular because even Mm. as you describe it now, I'm like it's not the kind of thing that the description would just grab me initially and me think straight away that's something I need to watch. But it obviously must be quite gripping. I think it just busts a lot of myths surrounding veganism and and I suppose the idea in – 
not not in my head, but in people's head of what vegans looked like or what vegans, you know, the lifestyle they lived. And now you've got these Olympic athletes and, you know, there was an Australian girl on there, the 400-metre runner Morgan. Morgan Mitchell, you played netball with her. Yeah, Yeah. there you go, Mm. fun fact. And I'm like, how cool is that? We've got this Aussie girl featuring on this amazing Netflix series. So it's funny. So Jared, um, my ex-partner, he's completely turned vegan in two weeks. Now, if you asked Jared one month ago if he'd ever stop eating meat, he would have laughed at your face. I can never do it. When I turned vegetarian, he was like, I can't do it. I'll I'll do it as much as I can, but I can't commit. And now he's done, vegan, plant-based. What was it about it that it completely reshifted his idea of what veganism looked like? Jared's very – he takes extremely good care of his body and he will do – absolutely anything to perform at his best um, always and that's just in daily life and that's something I really admire from him. I wish I had that willpower. <laughs> um, so any sort of um, step up he can get, he will do and and he's taken that inspiration from, from this series. Isn't that incredible? So for the second question we always ask every interviewee is what was your childhood like? You are one of four girls and your dad worked in the AFL so you travelled a lot, is yep. that right? Yeah, travelled a lot and moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. So I lived in, I've lived in Tasmania, I've lived in Adelaide, lived in Melbourne. My dad lived in Perth, so we spent a lot of time over there. He um, moved there for three years for work. So childhood, I had a really blessed childhood. Like in terms of the footy world, I got to experience things that people would only dream of. So I was part of a premiership at Essendon when my dad, he was the assistant coach there at the Bombers for over 10 years. So, you know, your dad bringing in the premiership cup the day after for show and tell is pretty cool. Just, you know, I, I remember, I don't know how much you guys know about footy, but a like lot. having dinner with Matthew Lloyd, James Hurd, like they were oh, just yeah. common occurrences, really good family, friends with the Sheedy family. So things like that now as a grown woman, I'm like, wow, they were so cool. Like, you know, going on family holidays with the Sheedy family to, to the Gold Coast, um, really special memories there and lifelong friendships too, which is good. Um, but, yeah, childhood, four girls. I think <laughs> with me... I, I often credit, and Jared says this too, like my my thick skin to just being the fourth child in a very busy family where it was just like, hurry up, Soph, shut up, get on with it. Like you don't have time to complain, no time to sook. Particularly one that's moving around a lot. Yeah, exactly. And now too, the respect I have for my mum is just incredible. Like I've got two kids now working woman. It was different back then. Mum probably didn't work as much as, as I do now, not sort of all over the shop, but just to raise four kids. It's a lot, on its own. It? We're all from families of four kids. On its own. It's, it's just mental. Chaotic. Chaotic. I think about it now and I think I would never be able to have the same amount of children that my parents have. No, and I always said I'd want four kids and, and even if, you know, my life didn't go the way it's gone at the moment, there's no way I could do it. No. Absolutely no way. Like I've had Florence. Florence, I swear, <laughs> makes up like three children on her own though. She's <laughs> Killed me, this girl, but good on her. Like she's she's going to be able to do anything she wants to in her life. But four kids, far out. What was it like having three sisters? I imagine those relationships are quite intense and always have been and really beautifully intense, but yeah. also, God, it would have been a loud house. How have those relationships carried you through the years? It's it's really special to have four girls. And, and my mum always said growing up, whenever we'd fight, she only had a brother and she said, what I would have done to have had a sister. So please consider yourself so lucky. And the bond we have now as grown women, mums, best friends is super strong. Obviously, we're still sisters. We still fucking want to kill each other sometimes. And in reality, one of my sisters moves in, uh, lives in Lower Plenty, one lives in Sunbury, then two of us live in, in the Essendon, Strathmore area. So we don't actually see each other that much, but when we do, it's really special. But growing up, it was a funny dynamic because I've got twin sisters in the middle. So they're obviously joined at the hip. And then there was myself and my older sister. Now there's a seven to eight year age gap there. So it was sort of like them and, and us, but that us, you know, me and her could only be as close as possible being that 
bigger age gap. Mm. So we sort of faced some difficulties, um, myself and Kate, my older sister growing up, just I suppose when she had grown up and she might have been like 22 or whatever and I'm around that 15-year-old age where she was like, no, don't grow up, you've got to be a little girl, whether I was, you know, going through things at 15 that she definitely would have been going through at the same time. So, yeah, we we clashed a bit back then but, oh, they're my absolute best friends. There's now. nothing that compares to having sisters. No. I, I no. feel so blessed. I think one of the biggest blessings of my life is having two sisters because yep. I think it's a bond that you yeah. just can't replicate yep. in another way. Well, it was way. funny when I had Florence, everyone's like, oh, I bet you're so glad you had a girl and don't get me wrong, I'm so so happy I had a girl but also I would have loved Bobby to have had a brother as well because that that connection you have with the same sex gender I think is really powerful and I've seen Jared with his brothers and I'm like that is so strong and myself with my sisters so I would um yeah maybe you know I'm still only 29 so maybe one day I would love to have another baby to to be able to give one of them that special bond. Mm. So you go to uni to study journalism what pulled you to that? Uh, growing up with my dad working in footy. So I was always around footy club rooms. I used to watch Christy Malthouse. Um, oh my God, I used to love yeah, watching Christy that. Malthouse, Tiffany Cherry. I used to watch those type of girls. Um, and they, they were young girls then around the club rooms and interviewing the footy players. And I thought, I love footy. I know footy. And I was like six at this stage. And I was <laughs> like, and, and these women are in here talking about footy with a microphone in their hand. They're on TV and they're looking beautiful. I want to do that too. So it was a no brainer. I was always going to study sports journalism. I wasn't really interested in mainstream journalism or looking back now, I probably should have studied media, which I did. I started studying media and communications at Melbourne Uni first, and then I transferred over to sports journalism. But yeah, it was just, it was definitely growing up. Um, like I said, yeah, I was lucky to grow up behind the scenes and see all of that stuff happening. Has writing always been a thing for you? You um, began blogging quite yeah. young as well. It's funny because I was always good at it, but it was never really something that I loved. I remember being at school and my teachers saying, you really need to study literature or you know, do that in year 12. And I was like, no, I'm not really interested. But at the same time, I had teachers going, why are you not studying PE in year 12? And why are you not studying health in, P- in, in year 12? I'm not really interested again. So I was sort of good at these things, but my interest didn't lie with them. My interest always lied with presenting. And like I said, seeing those girls on TV, you know, asking questions, putting a microphone in someone's face, that's that was what I wanted to do from a little girl and it's still what I want to do now. So you're 23 when you're fo- you fall pregnant, is that right? I was 20, yeah, I fell pregnant a few weeks before my 23rd birthday. It's young. Mm, 22. Do you look back on that and think, that's oh, young? Yeah, yeah. What was it about the blog? Did you think, I just want an avenue right now to just... Well, yeah, so following on from the journalism stuff, I had always, and I suppose Dad was a really big influence for that, from the age of about 14, 15, I had volunteered for work experience at so many different outlets. So I was always working somewhere. So I had done stuff with Channel 10. I remember sitting, I remember being at the project and now like I'm in there as a guest, it's weird. And, you know, Footy Show, Herald Sun, Cricket Australia, I worked and I got internships at all these places and I went from that plus uni plus working, I was working at Cricket Australia just before I got pregnant, to nothing because I was so sick. I was nearly hospitalised with morning sickness and I went to uni for six months and then I was like, I have to pull the pin now. And so I went from all of that to nothing. I was like, I need to do something. Like I need that creative outlet. And I thought, well, and at the same time too, everyone was like, oh, my God, young mum, like are you okay? How are you feeling? How's Jared handling it? And I'm like, I need to like send a message out here that I'm actually okay and we're, we're going well. So I don't know. I just suppose I started writing. I needed that creative outlet, like I said. And at the time I just shared it to our family and friends on Facebook just to sort of keep them up to date with what was happening. 
happening. And the first one where I announced, yeah, that I was pregnant and that it was a bit of a miracle baby, it got shared hundreds of thousands of times and I was like, holy crap, what is this? Because I didn't really know much about blogging. I'd studied one subject at uni about it, but I didn't really read blogs. I didn't, like I said, the Instagram world, that didn't even exist back then. So it was a new field and I thought, well, this is something I can do while I'm sitting on my fat ass at home. Do you think part of it was perhaps destigmatizing young pregnancy as well? And yeah. that there's a trope that a woman who falls pregnant quite young doesn't have her life together, whereas you are kind of the antithesis to that. Yeah, and that's very me to push a message like that as well. Like I said, we were having a lot of people like, oh, how are, you know, almost like we feel sorry for you. And I'm like, guys, we're fine. We live in our own house. We're in a very steady relationship. I've got a man who wanted to have a baby who wasn't like he's running for the hills. <laughs> it was almost, and yeah, the first question I'd get is, how's Jared handling it? I can Like so Jared's imagine. supposed to fucking run a mile and take off. Or has it has been trapped into this scenario. Yeah, it's that Absolutely. entrapment idea, yeah. isn't it? That, yeah. oh, she got pregnant, now he can't leave. Yeah. Yeah, and I wish, like I actually said to Jared, I wanted him to come here today because I always, it's not that I have to justify anything, but I always speak on behalf of him and I just wish that people got to hear from him because everything I say about him is true. And when I say at 21, he's like, I want to be a young dad. You know, that is an interesting concept and not a common one. I understand that. But if you knew Jared too, you would know that that, that is what he wanted. Does he ever want to speak publicly about things? It must be a strange dynamic. He was going to come today. Except we could get him on next week. Yeah, and then, um, <laughs> and then Florence, <laughs> and then Florence, um, which someone needed to look after her, and there's no chance she'd be in here with staying quiet for the next hour. <laughs> so he definitely is okay with. He loves speaking to support me. He'll always do that, and he will do that forever, which is really lovely. But he's a super private person too, so that's where I now that we're separated, I have to be very careful with how I speak about him because it's it is his life, and I need to you know make sure I'm not breaching any you know privacy there and and letting him live his life as well. We're going to get to you and Jared and your life in general in yep. just a moment. But before that, I do want to talk to you. I wonder if you've ever thought about this yourself, but you've created not only a very, very influential and powerful blog, but you then cultivated a massive, impassioned Instagram following and then two really successful businesses off of that. Have you ever stopped to reflect on what it is about you that makes you so influential? Mm, no, I haven't actually. What do you think it might be? I've always had a very loud voice and whilst that is influential, it's always been, it's, it's been my downfall at times as well because not a lot of people like that. So, um, you know, as much as I do have the influential status, I suppose, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are annoyed by me as well. Um, no, I've never really stopped to think about that. The only thing I can think of is just I've always, and, and from a young girl, like I said, we talked about it before, I had to be a strong woman very young because I had to have my voice heard in a very busy household and one where it was just I didn't have time to sook if I fell over and grazed my knee because it was just get up and get on with it. So I think that has has influenced me to be this person I am and I, I think it is just that loud, confident voice. Not loud. Like, cause I, cause I'm actually not a loud person. I'm not like the person you hear voice. in the middle of a room. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not that. Yeah, just a decisive, decisive and informed. Like, I, I'm, you know, I always do my research about things, and I, I always know what I want. And I suppose, yeah, confident woman and just an assured woman. Does that voice ever waver? It must be hard, especially when you have a following of a quarter of a million people, mm. to falter. And the bigger your audience grows, the more to question yourself? Or is that the opposite? I've, without a doubt, 
pulled back. Like you, you don't see the whole me now and that's because I protect my family and I, I have to protect myself as well. So I have um, – I use this term a lot and I hate using it but I have evolved over time as to what I do share and and how much I've learnt the beauty and privacy but it's just I needed – there was a while there I needed to protect my mental state. So, yeah, you don't, you don't always get the whole Sophie but you'll still get an authentic one. You just won't get the whole version. One thing we did want to touch on is exactly what you're speaking to, I think, at the moment, is protecting yourself when feedback comes at all angles. Mm-hmm. Some of it wonderful, some of it yep. terrible. Like feedback mm. can be brutal online. Yep. How do you cope with the negative side to it and particularly the side that could be more aggressive than mm-hmm. the average kind of feedback? I think, again, it all it all falls into line. That's where it comes back to me being very confident in the person that I am and I'm very happy in the person that I am. And I know that that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I'm okay with that. Now, I know people say that really um, frequently all the time, you know, don't worry about what other people think, but I actually don't because the way I look at it is I have beautiful family I, and, and I was recently reflecting on some really well-respected people that I have in my life who have an incredible opinion of me and they're the types of opinions that I will listen to. You know, even sitting here, getting here to sit here with you girls is is an opportunity that I'm very grateful for because you girls are so well-respected in this industry and the fact you want to have me on your show. Things like that for me go, they're the opinions that I care about as opposed to strangers who actually don't know me other than seeing me in an in a phone app. Does it ever hit you? I know I think I was even watching your Instagram stories a couple of days ago when you were joking around about yeah, people who so were trolling. Funny. You know what I mean? Like having a great time yeah. with your friend and Jared in the background and yeah. you were just making a joke of it. But are there ever times where it does really penetrate and you do find yourself being quite upset about it? Uh, not so much upset anymore, no, but absolutely. I'm still human and I have seen some horrifically dark times in the past. Like I maybe just after I'd had Florence, so in the 2017 was a horrific year for me mentally um, due to trolling. So it was just something flicked with my audience and, yeah, for a while there it was just like the whole world hates me, like what am I doing wrong? But then I also learnt that nothing I was reading was true, what they were saying. So they were saying the most horrific things about me, about my children. That's where I get fucking sick to my stomach. When they speak about my children, that's where I want to delete it. I want to quit this and I want to go work, you know, at the milk bar. But nothing, yeah, I I did find myself in a really big hole, but now it's, it's nothing I read is true. That lady that I was laughing about the other night, she wrote me and it was like 10 o'clock at night on a Monday night or a Sunday night. She wrote me this massive paragraph and it was just vile what she was saying to me. But she was holding herself in such a high regard. You know, she was speaking down. It was so condescending. And I was like, what makes you better than me? Like when you are sitting at home and you've thought it's a really good idea to write a straight to a stranger, someone you've never met, like she lived in Perth, this horrible message to me. But then like nothing she said was true. Mm-hmm. She's like, everything you do is fake. Now I know nothing I do is fake. I'm very I'm very straight to the point. If anything, I'm too much in your face. It's great when they pick the one thing where you're like, no, 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 I'm very confident about that. So like everything else <laughs> yeah. just falls down so, now. And that's why I was like, oh, my God, these people are just relentless, but yet their ideas of me are so incorrect. Mm. So that's where I'm okay because I'm like, you're all – fucking crazy so I think another thing that's helped Zara and I this year because we all like often get feedback that isn't the most positive and Mm -hmm. one thing that's helped us is that we know at the very very least that the people who make anonymous accounts to criticize people 
are the lowest of the low. Like Mm -hmm. no matter what those accounts want to call influencers out for or influential people out for, the influencers themselves are not out here, at least from my perspective, creating fake accounts. Well, some of them are. Or anonymous <laughs> accounts. I know that for a fact. Okay, great. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, and so at the very least, I can know I'm a better person than whoever's criticising me. Absolutely. Like, And the things that they come back with, the justification for their behaviour is just like I don't know how their brain works to – and I'm, I, to be honest, I'm really interested and I, I've – think of this Netflix series or I think of this podcast where I sit down with them face to face and I say like how, you know, to, to go on an anonymous website and to speak so passionately about how I'm such a loser and how everyone thinks I'm a fucking dickhead and, and everyone's figuring you out and this and that, whether you are a grown adult sitting on an international website or a fake account criticizing someone you've never met like do they reflect on their behavior they want us to be accountable they want me to look at my actions they want me to be held responsible for all these dumb things I'm doing but do they ever sit and reflect and actually find themselves you know what they're doing Mm. do they ever think that that's wrong do you think it might be tall poppy syndrome I 100% it's without a doubt all tall poppy syndrome and that that but then they say oh, you think I'm just jealous, but I just think you blah, blah, blah. Well, there must be something in you that's being triggered by what I'm doing. Now, I'm not intentionally doing it to annoy you, Sharon, or you, Shay, or you, Helen, like, you know, whoever these people are. I'm not, my, what I'm doing, I'm not thinking about you when I'm doing it, but you are thinking about me with every move you're making. It's very weird to think that a lot of people think about you and follow your life that intently yeah. just so they can nitpick at it. Well, this lady the other night, she said to me, and, and she wrote it off her own account, you know, credit to her. I mean, a couple of claps. Yeah. The bar's pretty low. If that's yeah. what we're sure you'll be listening. But she wrote it, and she was very articulate with her word. You know, she sounded like a very intelligent woman. But she, just, I just, I can't understand. Like, it actually hurts my brain when I think about their thought process. Like, is this a good? You know, is this going to be a good idea? I'm going to achieve something today by saying this to someone. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm the first to admit we all scroll on our Instagram and we see something. We go, oh, God, shut up. Or we go, oh, God, what's that jacket? And you keep scrolling, don't you? And then you don't think about that jacket ever again to then create something, a page, which is not easy, by the way, I don't think. Like, I've tried to just start one for a new business. You've got to have a different email account then you know, this and this. Just to write to someone that they looked shit. I'm like, really? Mm. But again, I feel like I actually hate talking about this now because I've talked about it for so many years and they're not going to go away. These people are not going to learn. And I, but at the end of the day, guys, I'm not going away either. So either, like, I'm used to you, you're going to have to get used to me because I'm not pissing off anyway. Coming up on the show, how you navigate announcing your marriage split when so much of your following is so invested in it. But first, a word from our sponsor. Thank you so much to Brown Brothers Moscato One for sponsoring this episode of Shameless. One thing I do find really interesting is parents seem to have a very vested interest in what other parents share of their children or whether or not they don't share at all. And there are so many conversations around at the moment about the lengths to which parents should share or not share or whatever it might be. What do you say to those people? Because I imagine it must come up because your entire platform was born from sharing your family. Yeah, I'm writing an article about it at the moment, actually. It's really interesting because I've always been yeah, very honest in the fact that, well, exactly, mine was built based around being pregnant and then everyone wanted to see Bobby and then it was Bobby as a toddler. So it World's was... worst clickbait if you yeah. get pregnant and don't show the baby. Yeah, it was exactly right. And so, yeah, I 
not that I I do it for them, but I sort of owe people that part of a little bit into my life um, because that's how it started and I don't have any of this without those people. So it's not that I'm like, oh, I've got to give them another photo of Bobby this week. Like, shit, they haven't seen one. It's nothing <laughs> like that. But it's just that that is what they signed up for. Now, I have absolutely pulled that back, touching on what I said before, absolutely pulled that back. And people do say to me, oh, I haven't seen the kids much this week. I'm like, they're here, they're alive, like we're all good. But I'm just, you know, I, I am being more selective of what I am sharing. But they are a part of my life and I share my life. So that comes with it. Speaking of sharing that side of your life, when we worked at Mamma Mia, which feels like a lifetime ago mm. now, I remember one of the most read stories mm. of the entire year was from you. And it was about you and Jared deciding to open your relationship yep. up for a period of time. How did it feel to share that story and then see it go so ballistic online and reach so many All people? All I remember is my mum being like, did you really have to talk about that? Did you really have to talk about chlamydia on the internet? I, I like, don't remember the mention of chlamydia actually. Yeah, it was, in the la- it was in the last paragraph. Again, this is where when people call me fake, I'm like, you don't know me because I'm fine. I was fine with sharing that because that was something me and Jared was so comfortable to do. It was something that we navigated through for a while. And at the end of the day, we were 21 years old. Like it's not, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But I suppose, I don't think I give Jared and I enough credit for how incredibly open and honest we are with each other and how we did make a lot of things work at such a young age with no nastiness, no um, jealousy. It's not, well, from what I've been made to believe, it's not, I wish people could see me doing the talking marks, but it's not natural. Some of the things we've been able to go through really amicably and that you know is existent now in our the life that we're living so yeah I, I'm I'm so lucky to have shared such a huge part of my life with someone like him and and lucky for me it's maybe unfortunately for him he's stuck with me now forever <laughs> because we've got two beautiful babies but I you know it's funny when we announced um the separation they went oh how are you are you okay and I'm like we're fine because we've been navigating through this for a year and a half without telling anybody because we've been doing it together and so people found that hard at the start you know my mom Jared's mom were kind of what do you mean you know whatever how, how have we not known it's like well, have you noticed a difference in us no well there you go because we are best friends and, and we've been helping each other through figuring out what we want in life. Can I ask quite a naive question because this is probably my youth coming out, but I'm always intrigued by the people who can make this really intense love transition into Mm. a friendship. Like not many people can do it. I think a lot of people are in the camp either you loved each other once and you can never speak again. How does that happen? I think I've always said you have a choice how you react to situations in life. You really do. And, you know, feelings come and go and, and, and how, you know, I often I learned it at a retreat last year. Like how you respond to a situation is purely up to you. And Jared and I have been so on the same page of we will never let this turn bad ever because we are too special to each other. And we just both recognised pretty much at the same time that being married probably wasn't something we wanted at at this stage in our life. Um, do we regret our babies? Absolutely not. Do we regret our whole relationship? Absolutely not. Nothing like that. But just being married, like living life as a married couple was something that we didn't really want at 28 years old. So yeah, sure. Hindsight's lovely. We should have realized that at 24 when we got married, but that's life. And we are so both open. He's my soulmate without a doubt. We are so on the same page with everything. It's like we share, we, we share the same soul. We share the same mind. We think the exact same way. So it's never been a case of 
someone bringing something up and the other one, you know, it, it's been hard. Don't get me wrong. And like I, I get upset about it because he is my soulmate. He is the most perfect person in the whole world and I know I am his. But right now we just can't do that together. So what's the best result after that? It's being best friends, supporting each other, getting to share the beautiful parts of life together and, and raise our family as as individuals. You have kind of... Uh walked this path of a very modern family, which is amazing. I want to talk a little bit about the wedding thing for a second because we actually covered this on an episode recently that so many young people just see marriage and a wedding as the next obvious step. Do you think that was the case where you had Bobby and then it was kind of like, okay, well, this is the next thing for us? I I wanted to get married. I probably pushed that – yeah, if I'm being honest, I probably pushed that a little earlier than Jared might have liked and now I think that's why I've been able to – to sort of own up now and be like, hey, you know what, we probably shouldn't have done that that early because I know, you know, yes, he proposed and yes, he did that. It's not like I, I wasn't, I was never that girl putting the <laughs> ring on the back of his desk. Before the trolls all, come. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing like that. But I really wanted to get married and, and it was kind of like I had this baby and I had this really hard pregnancy, like I just want to be your wife now. And he was like, yeah, well, sure. Like I didn't, you know, drag him in by his neck or anything like that. But I probably brought up marriage a lot earlier, not a lot earlier, but just a little bit prematurely than Jared would have liked. So that's why I took ownership, yeah, in the past sort of two years and went, hey, yeah, do you think maybe we did it a bit earlier? And now I see people getting engaged. I'm like, don't do it. (laughs) And it's not because I don't believe in marriage. Like, don't get me wrong. I look at, I look at, you know, Jared's dad and his wife and I see people, I was just in Bali and I see these happy families and I look and I go, that's all I want. I actually want that so bad. I just don't want it right now. Mm. Is it hard to come to terms with a relationship crumbling beneath your feet? And oh. I know it's, I'm not talking about you two because of course you've got a no, great no, but relationship. You, no, but you can talk about it because that's something we have sat, you know, we've found ourselves sitting on the bathroom floor and I'm going to get upset when I talk about it and it's fine and we've found ourselves at times, like looking at each other going, what happened? Like how you and me don't go wrong. Like you and me are the best. Like we are the strongest couple. Like how how did this happen? But it did. And we are, like I said, we are realists and we are open to whatever life brings at us. And we always said together and we'll say it holding hands that we would never be that couple who just stayed and turned to shit because we won't ever turn to shit. So if we need to separate for a while in order to be the best people we can be and the best have the best relationship, then we'll do it. But, yeah, it's been um, – don't get me wrong. I, I sit here and I say, you know, it's great and, and all of this. Like it's been horrible like to, to realise that um, – to realise that you're falling out of love with the person who you want to love so bad is is really, really hard and it's been um, – it's something, you know, we've said it to each other many times, we wouldn't wish this upon anyone and whilst I wouldn't wish a cheating husband either and I'm absolutely not comparing them but I also wouldn't wish being having to look, you know, each other in the eye and say, yeah, I think it's – I think the time's up with someone who, who I still – Still now picture myself with at 85 years old sitting on our front porch, you know, in our country home that we talked about on our rocking chairs. So it's... um, Is that an image you have because of habit or is that an image you're still looking for? No, the, no, it is. And that's why we've always said we hope we come back together one day. 
But again, touching on us being realists, it's just not something that can happen right now. So it's not like we're getting this, um, you know, <laughs> people say, are you going to change your business name once you get divorced? I'm like, we've never spoken about the word divorce at the moment. Like it's not something that has um, even come up in conversation. It's just, I think, I think too that why people find it probably a little bit confronting but why we're so okay with it is because it's actually quite common. People separate every fucking day and I've had that many people um, reach out to me, hey, Mike's husband, he's my best mate, blah, 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 blah. But it's just I'm on a platform where I talk about it so people are like, <gasps> like this. It's like, guys, come on, this is life. This stuff happens um, and I'm making, you know, the best of a freaking horrible situation right now. I Like I said, I'm just so, so lucky as, as much as, it, it, it has, you know, it has. It's turned to shit. It's crumbled. Our marriage, we haven't though. You guys are still living together. Yeah. How do you navigate jealousy? Does that come up yet? Are you in anticipating it coming up? I mean, I imagine it's the question that a lot of people would be wondering in their own relationships yep. when you've been with someone for so long. Yeah. I've never really been a naturally jealous person and at times I've been like, is something wrong with me? Because, <laughs> like, this is probably not normal what I'm okay with. And same with him. Um, like I said, 21 years old and, and being in an open relationship and, and knowing it's more that we're both on the, you know, we want an even playing field and, and if Jared would be allowed me to do something, then I have to allow him to do something and that's just the way that we've worked. So, but, yeah, I have at times been like, what? why is every other girl so angry about this stuff? Like, why do I care? <laughs> but it's, and then people would say, oh, maybe you don't love him. I'm like, no, I love him so much that I want him to experience these things. Jealousy, look, yeah, at times it, it's been tricky to navigate, obviously, and th- this is stuff I've never shared with people but like I've da- I've dated three separate people in the past 18 months Jared Jared's dating Jared's doing his thing <laughs> um so Jared, I won't talk about of Jared but Jared's definitely having a good we're time we're celebrating for you Jared. yeah go J-Man and it's funny because because people again assume that oh you know wait till she knows what he's up to do you know Jared and I literally sit at home like it, we need our own reality tv show with cups of tea and we talk about like so what did she say like so don't Jared don't put don't write that back don't do too many exclamation marks it's so embarrassing like and I help him write messages and like he's given me advice on people at times too and he someone that I was recently seeing who I'm not anymore like they're really good mates I cooked some girl dinner like a month ago. We had like dinner at the table together. That girl would have been like, what is my life? (laughs) She was like, well, he was going to catch up with her. And, but he, Jared wanted to stay and have family dinner with the kids. That's always a priority to us. And I was like, well, like she can come. And he was like, really? And then he sort of looked at me like, do I invite her to family? I was like, I don't know. Like, is that? <laughs> There's no precedent yeah, for this. There was, was no like, like rule book for yeah, this. Yeah. He's kind of like, like, yeah, I, I don't mind if she comes, but like, is she going to think that like I want to marry her? And I'm like, I don't know, but just put it out there. Anyway, credit to her. She came. Good on her. And we had a fun night and I, I think she liked my salad. Well, <laughs> do you sit there going, nah, not for like, not right? No, for well, him? I really liked this girl. Ooh. Yes. I really liked her. Okay, I was like, great. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I, I actually, <laughs> God, this is so bad, but I had someone else that, this is a while ago, and I had someone else that I know that he's been catching up with lately got drunk and messaged me on Saturday night. And I was like, she dead, she's gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's got the black line through her name. Wow. Oh, God, this girl will probably be listening, dying to this. Yeah, so it is a very, very unique situation, but he's helped me through a lot. Um, like I said, I've had my ups and downs with some people over the past, yeah, 18 months, and 
uh, still, you know, you know, we're both doing our thing and we're both experiencing lots of things and, and we're both funny. Everyone's always like, oh, you, you're in a relationship. And then they're like, are you back with Jared? I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what is going on in my own life. And all these people <laughs> asking me these questions, but no, we're both very happily, very single and um, sharing our stories over cups of tea and bickies at the end of the night. It sounds like this has been a period of like self-discovery for mm. you both. Is that accurate? Yeah, and that you've taken me, this time to be like, okay, we got together really young and I need to know who I am mm-hmm. outside of this relationship. Yep. And I'm going to hit it straight on the head. I've been asked a lot lately if I'm gay. And for me, it's, it is that self-discovery period that I'm going to. Am I sitting here a lesbian? No. Am I sitting here saying I'm not a lesbian? No. Um, well, it doesn't have to be either thing. But, but that's the thing. I'm not. And yeah. and I don't have to speak about um, – I suppose I haven't been able to speak about it because I haven't known what the hell's going on. And a lot of people, like we talk about entitlement on Instagram, because they have been open to so much of my life, they want an answer. I was like, because I can't give you a fucking answer when I don't know what the answer is right now. Yeah, so do, do I have – all these magical, you know, solutions as to how I'm going to figure this stuff out. No. Am I open to what life is bringing me? Absolutely. It's interesting and I think we had this discussion on the podcast the other day that in 2019... You were having a lot of discussions that we've been thinking a lot about lately. But it's like we're so desperate to box people in, even though theoretically we have these conversations about sexuality sitting on a spectrum. people should know if they've followed me, I am not one to be boxed into anything. Like yesterday someone goes, you are supposed to wear black and white on Derby Day. And I was like, honey, I know that and that's why I wore it on Cup Day. Like (laughs) don't put me in a bracket of being, you know, yeah... I'm not going to wear florals and pink florals on cup day. I'm going to wear something totally different. And that's how I live my whole life. I think it's as well, people find it easier to process what's going on around them if they can categorize Mm. people and go, okay, so Sophie is X, Y, and Z. And if you don't allow them to do that, they find that irritating. Yeah. Which is probably so much of the trolling that you're experiencing. But it's also, I think, how comfortable I am with, with living my life like that. That's what makes people uncomfortable. And it's unfortunate. It is because I don't want to make people feel like that. Like I don't intentionally do these things for any other reason than to just live my life. And I'm really sorry that that makes people uncomfortable, but I, but at the same time I'm not going to apologise for it. I'm not going to feel bad about it because I'm just living my life. Like that's all I'm doing. I'm living my life to the fullest. I'm open to change. I'm open to what the universe is going to throw at me. And if that makes other people feel uncomfortable, then I can't help that. And it also says something about them, not about you. Like we spoke to Abby Chatfield on this podcast about a month ago and I think what people struggle with with Abby is that she won't take on their shame. People try to slut shame her. People try to do all these things and she refuses it. when I was watching that, and and I'll admit there are a few times where I was like, oh, God, I probably wouldn't have done that on camera. But you know what? What? Like the whole sexually empowered woman thing – I'm one of those and I'll speak so passionately about it. That makes people so – it makes people quiver how you women can't do that. You can't – you know, like I said, I probably wouldn't have done or said some of the things on, on national television that Abby did, but do I criticise her for, for having that nature? Absolutely not. Mm. So New Year's Eve comes this year, right, and it's the end of the year and you look back at the last year, 18 months. What do you think about that period? How do you consider it? What do you think about yourself? I'm really proud of – getting through the year. I'm proud of how Jared and I together have handled the year. I'm proud for allowing that change and for, I suppose, letting Sophie really come out. I am, I'm sad. I'm sad because I'd probably like be at home on my own. (laughs) 
I don't know. When you said New Year's, I was like, shit. What is it <laughs> is actually like yeah. a terrible question to ask in hindsight. New Year's like, anxiety what? is a real thing. It's like, what the fuck yeah. have I got planned? Yeah. <laughs> and like, I've had a lot of changes in friendship groups this year as well. Um, I think that comes back to that whole other people being uncomfortable with you. I've not embraced that, but I've accepted it too. Um, so New Year's, yeah, no, I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud. I'm sad, but I'm so excited as well. I'm, I feel like it's such a cliche, I know that, but I am about to start this incredibly exciting journey and chapter, which I have been. I've been navigating through that. Like I said, I've been spending time with other people during the year, boys, girls, and now I get to sort of go into a fresh year. But also I'm excited too. My son starts school. Like that's a big thing for me. Massive. Yeah. So he's, you know, I'm starting a new chapter of being a school mum as well. So our whole life is about to change. I've lived a very spontaneous, you know, I'm going to book Bali and go 24 hours later type life. And now it's like, no, I've got to have school lunches every day. So let's flip back to business just slightly. What's in store for you in 2020? Like you are a businesswoman. Yep. I will call you a serial entrepreneur because you have yep. how many? Two businesses now, but you just spoke briefly uh, about potentially. Two. I'm a silent partner in one. Oh, I'm trying to get bored out of one at yep. the moment. So it's three. I'm still director of three companies. And I am in talks at the moment to go into silent partnership with three other companies as well. Right. So, so yeah, what's next for you in that space? Well, that that's why I'm sort of trying to take on silent partnerships mm-hmm. because Keisha is absolutely – Keisha slash Very Magic, they fall under the same company. That is my absolutely absolute priority, sorry, at the moment. But I'm looking to go into silent partnerships just so I can have, you know, my finger in, the, in those businesses but not have to work them as such because I am heading more into the TV reporting type stuff. So that's where I wanted to end up in life, like we talked about before, and that's where I'm now heading back into. Isn't it funny that you took a very unconventional route and mm-hmm. you ended up, life ended up pulling you into that direction yeah. anyway? But I always knew that I'd end up there and that's why I don't, I've never panicked with my life. I, I definitely detoured out here went in a totally different, like I've got my own sleepwear label. When the fuck did that happen? <laughs> um, and one that, you know, is looking to hit over $3 million revenue in the next 12 months. So one that is booming. Um, but for me, I need to get, you know, for, for my own self-worth and my own sort of sense of accomplishment, I need to get into what I've always wanted to do. And that is to get back into into the sports side of things. Given so much has changed for you in the last 12, 18 months, what does a really happy day, like what do the happy days look like for you? Happy days are Sundays where it's family day. So um, it's Jared, it's the kids, it's fish and chips in the park or it's going to the dog park and kicking a soccer ball with Bobby. That is my happy day. And all of this in mind, what is the new definition of success for you? How do you define success and how do you feel it in your own life? Success for me, a big focus is just being on figuring out who I am and who I want to be um, over the next, well, over the past however long and into the future and it's being happy with that person. We do a girls' Christmas lunch every year and, and one of the questions last year was what do you want out of 2019 and I wanted clarity and I'm probably like 80% there now, 85% there. But You've I'm not... still got a, like two months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've still got a little bit. Right but I'm in a much better place than I was last last Christmas just with who I am. And, yeah, but then success for me, you know, people, 
people say, oh, it's not just money, but for me it is because I work so hard. So I want some reward for that. Like I, I work really hard and I sacrifice a lot with my kids. So, yeah, fuck yeah, I want some money out of that. Give like, me the dollars. Yeah. That and is I, really refreshing though because I think true. women don't want to talk about money. No, they don't. And and people say, oh, you do these things on Instagram for money. Fuck, of course I do. It's not charity. Do you work for free? No. Like who works for free? And, you know, going back to before kids on Instagram, like Bobby Bobby can get $3,000 for a post, you know, and that money goes straight into his bank account. So fuck yeah, I'm setting up my son to, you know, for when he's older. Like I am not apologetic for any of that stuff. So, yeah, success for me is sitting in my Range Rover that isn't lent to me, by the way. I've bought it. <laughs> and I'm sitting in front of a pool probably by that stage 50 with a cigarette and a cocktail in my hand. <laughs> Girlfriend or boyfriend? I don't know. Maybe I'll have five. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a harem. Of yeah, people. maybe. <laughs> Sophie, what a brilliant point to end on. Thank you for your candor and for being so generous today. You absolutely didn't have to be, but I think people have always appreciated you for being open and for your candor. So thank you for giving that to thank us today. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. That was fun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this In Conversation episode of Shameless with Sophie Keisha. If you loved Sophie's candor as much as we did, you can find her on Instagram at sophiekeisha underscore. And as for us, as always, we're at Shameless Podcast. Also, if you loved this chat, then we can bet you'll love the one we had with Abby Chatfield too. We will pop the link to that one in our show notes. We will be back in your ears on Monday. Bye, guys. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.